Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome. I'm Fazia Costi, and today I am meeting with Paul Corallo. He is a therapist who currently works at Child and Family Support Services and has a small private practice. Um, currently, he's the director of clinical specialty services and has been a licensed behavioral therapist for 25 years. During this time, he has created the Family Centered Autism Program as well as co-developed the Relationship-Based Autism Center. He has a master's in counseling, and he has dedicated 25 years of his career providing counseling, developing programs, and training new therapists who support families and individuals on the autism spectrum. Um, Welcome to the show, Paul. Good morning. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I think you have a wealth of knowledge And I'm really happy that you're willing to come on the show and share that knowledge or share some of it. I'm sure you can't share all of it in one hour, (laughs) but share that, you know, that knowledge that you have and and talk a little bit about how you can inspire others and and maybe help them a little bit as well. Um, Tell us, tell us a little bit more about you, if you don't mind. I would love to hear your story. Yeah. Yeah. No, appreciate it. Yeah. So I think... um, you know, as I think about um, my journey um, into uh, the helping profession and uh, what I'm go- doing currently today, it, it was an interesting one. You know, um, I uh, I spent a lot of my um, time in middle school and high school um, as an aide for physically disabled children. Um, and then in high school, I, I worked in the guidance office and, and little did I know that it wasn't really the coolest thing to do. Um, as I was reminded by, you know, some of my, uh, athlete friends, um, um, and, um, throughout the, you know, throughout that journey, I was getting lots of information about being a helper. Um, and, and so I, I collected lots of information around it and decided that, you know, I thought maybe um, this was the thing for me. And, and I got involved um, through school in a variety of, of clubs and, and, and events and uh, got my bachelor's in uh, behaviorism um, and decided that I wanted to do my master's. And along the way, I kept that journey of, of connecting with um young people who were physically disabled. Um, And um, there was a, there was a gap in my life for a moment um, between um, my uh, master's degree um, and, and my bachelor degree. And um, I I discovered that working um, in the trauma unit for me was an interesting thing. I wanted to be a helper, but I was really confused around like, um, working in trauma and doing social work. Uh, and, and I did a small internship and I said, wow, I don't know if this is for me. Um, and so I decided for a moment to hit pause and somehow became a court reporter in the Manhattan DA's office. Um, and, and I tell this story because, um, you know, I'm a really big believer in staying connected to your gut. 
Um, and along that journey, while I was um, a court reporter, what I kept hearing from so many families in the lobby as I was waiting is if their son or daughter had had some help. And those moments, I, I remembered really clearly. And then I, I stepped out of that field for a moment and got back in the game, and completed my master's um, and decided that, that I wanted to sign up to be a helper. Um, and everything and you've done sounds like it's led you to where you wanted to be. Yeah, there was, you know, sometimes, um, we can get, um, involved, um, in, in putting some obstacles in our own way. And, and I found myself being able to, to kind of see very clearly a path, but, but accepting the path, um, I think for me was, um, what I was ready to do at that point. Um, and, and I had the good fortune of meeting some people in my life that um, were invested in me as mm -hmm. I had spent a good portion of my life <laughs> investing in others. And I had some, I had some tour guides um, nice. <laughs> that helped me. And, and, and then I, I, I discovered the world of autism after my first year of being a generalist um as a therapist and i discovered a, a young man who who changed my view on autism from the, wow. the stereotypical kind of what people see kind of like in the movies to mm -hmm. the 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 young people and adults who are walking around the world just at times being very misunderstood and this young man and his family um really got me connected to the world of autism. Um, and from that point on, I really started dedicating a lot of energy into trying to um, create some welcome mats for these young people and their families as they were weary and tired and um, misunderstood. Um, and uh, shortly after, I created the Family Centered Autism Program. And, and the reason why I did that at the time is um, I just felt like so many parents in their journey um, were losing their memberships to friendships and to things connected to friendships. Um, and so they were unfriended a long time ago before that was even a popular term. Wow. You know, um, yeah. And, and they were weary. And at the time, the science that was being used, um, which was really uh, predominantly ABA, um, was a good science, but it didn't bolster the families. No, and ABA has come a long way, I think, since yes. it started. Um, yes. I, I've had clients who did ABA, you know, 10 years ago, and now when clients go into it, it's, it's a completely different ball game. And, and it's, it's so much better in my opinion. Would, would yeah. you agree to that? <laughs> a absolutely. I, yeah. I, you know, I got involved and did my postmaster's work, um, you know, in, in applied behavioral analysis and, mm -hmm. and, and just to understand the left and the right hand. Right. Right. Um, and I would agree, you know, that it has broadened the scope of the lens in which it's using. Absolutely. And, and, and along the way, as I had kind of created some of this programming to kind of infuse lots of family counseling um, for families to help them 
stay more connected and stable. Um, you know, you start these things and sometimes you fall in love with things and you don't question the why in it. You just stay right. connected to it. It just feels right and you go with it. You it go goes with back it. to trusting your gut, right? Yeah. You know and, what's and right for you. <laughs> I had zero blueprint. You know, I, I was flying a plane without wings at times. And, and what I knew, though, is that families needed support. They needed a place that they could come and feel accepted and included and rebuild some community for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and as I was doing this, I, I felt a really strong connection to a lot of these young people to try to understand, interpret, be an ambassador for them um, yeah. and also teach families how to do that. Have you always worked with children or do you work with adults as well? You know, um, yeah, there is part of some of the programming that we've done um, over the course of time and also in my private practice where, where I do work with adults. Um, you know, and I think that's another population that um, can certainly use more time and energy, I think, uh, as people transition from adolescence. Um, uh, to young adulthood and then into being an adult. That's a really confusing time. Well, I, I think a lot of individuals who are diagnosed with autism later in life kind of missed out on therapy that maybe they should have had. And so there's still some adults that are struggling. And so I would love to see uh, some therapy out there for, you know, o- older adults. And by older, I mean like in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, because they kind of missed out on some of the stuff you're doing now. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think, you know, I think statewide, depending upon the state that you're in, I know, uh, I know here in, in, in Arizona, I think, you know, where there's a lot of lobbying for these things and mm-hmm. there's a lot of families creating bridges, you know, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a, a, as I always think about kind of this journey to this point, as, as you become, a helper and become um, an ambassador um, and you become an advocate for these things. Um, what I never expected, though, was to become a father of someone who was diagnosed on the spectrum. Um, wow. Well, uh, tell us more about that. Like what, you know, what, what was your journey with your child? What did that yeah, look I, like? You know, I, I think, Fazio, one of the things, um, you know, that uh, early on, um, my wife and I, um, like like any uh, parents, you, you welcome someone into the world and you design your world through the image that you have kind of walked through. Um, right. you, you, you use your own user's manual. And so you, you, know, <laughs> you, you decorate a room that, that you would have liked to have as a child. You try to do things for your children that, you know, maybe you wanted or you were given and, and appreciated. And I think my wife and I, quickly noticed that right after my son was vaccinated, um, you know, he began to change. Um, And so we, um, you know, I think um, being in the field and my wife is a speech pathologist, we, we were, we were able to, to recognize right away some of the challenges that he had and spoke with doctors and, um, and I think one of the things for us, and, and, I, and I try to bring this into the work, is that sometimes um, you get so used to using your right hand that when you have a, a very uniquely minded and gifted person in your house, they push you to your left. 
And so everything that I was familiar with became incredibly unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier when you're working at the center or working with someone else's child um, to mm-hmm. make a shift. But then to make a shift in your own home created a lot of opportunity for learning. That is an understatement for sure. Um, to be able to watch your own son walk through his own room every morning and not touch any of the things that you've designed in his room, to not play with things that you grew up playing with, uh, showing interest in things that you have little or no interest in. Um, And I share this a lot with a lot of the families in in terms of of part of the goal, I think, of treatment is to become familiar with the unfamiliar. And I, and, and can you give us an example of what that might look like? Yeah. Yeah. I think becoming familiar with the unfamiliar to me is so many of, of the young people um, that I work with and, and I can include my own son in this is they will push you into places of maybe little or no expertise or interest. Um, they will want you to um, spend energy in a comfortable place that feels good to them, such as it could be. So for me, as just kind of a, I, I always tell this to families when they ask, I say, you know, um, I discovered in the 11th grade that I had dyslexia. Um, and my son's biggest strength is mathematics. And mm-hmm. so he is always pushing me into mathematics, which if I could have hired somebody to do all of my courses in math, <laughs> I would have. Um, and But through some of those trials um, of what he has an area of focus, it has strengthened my resolve and my patience um, and my understanding. Um, and that's, and I think a lot of times, you know, the, the whole concept of learning how to be teach someone how to be with instead of around. And I think all of us spend a lot of time being with people and lots of young people on the spectrum like to be around people. Can you explain the difference? Yeah. And I think, you know, being, being with people requires um, that you uh, have a, on some level, skills and the willingness to build interpersonal connection or have the motivation. Now, I'm not saying that young people on the spectrum don't. Uh, I've met many right. of you. Um, but social investment takes a lot of time and energy, and you have to have a social battery that can recharge on the fly. Right. And some people do that so much better than others. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think, um, you know, um, when I'm working with families, though, you know, I always say, you know, he's, he's always on the, on the outside of things. And then he'll walk in and he'll walk around or he or she will, you know, do what we call drive-bys. They'll pass by people just to see what's going on, you know. And, and that's that idea of being around is I'm curious. I, I might be interested. I might not know how. Well, I kind of have this image of a of like this party and like all the people that are in the party are standing up and mingling and talking and sharing a drink or set, you know, talking about the food they're eating. And then 
the people you're talking about who are just around, they're, they're around the edges observing. They're not really interacting, but they're in the room. Correct. Yeah, they're, they're walking the perimeter. Yes. And you, you can interact with them, but they're perfectly happy just observing. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's great value in that, right? There's mm-hmm. so much value in that because I think lots of the young people or, or adults, they are always receiving transmissions, you know, um, they, uh, that's the common misnomer sometimes is people feel like they can talk while someone is on the, in the room that's on the spectrum because they think they're not paying attention. But, Which isn't but, true. <laughs> yeah, but, but we know, we know they are. Um, and, and I think, um, so, you know, I always try to, um, I think at the end of the day where, you know, I try to tell parents, we're not necessary. We're not necessary. We're not trying to change people, right? We're trying to update, right? Skills. Exactly. We're just trying to add those skills so that they can do what they do better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. So I, I love the fact that um, you have internships and you train other therapists. Why, why is this so important to you? Why is it important to train other therapists? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think if, I, if I'm being incredibly honest, I, I have had the good fortune of working with just some tremendous families. Um, and when you hear some of the things that they have been through and you hear um, the journeys to trying to get help. And it became really evident to me that we needed a workforce that can understand, appreciate, and support our families. Um, and, there, and, and, and I, kept, I kept getting things like, you know, uh, because you, even as a helper, um, I can only see so many families um, well, absolutely. What I love about it is that you have such experience firsthand from your son and then you, your clients, and you're sharing that expertise with other therapists who can then go and help even more people. I mean, you are extending your services through them. And I love that. I, I think it's absolutely incredible at how many people you can directly and now indirectly help. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and, and I think that's, that's part of the goal. I, I, I think for me, um, I get great satisfaction at knowing that we are trying to create more people with understanding mm-hmm. um, and that can create more opportunities for families. So, um, you know, and, and, and we continue, right? We, we, I continue to, um, to really enjoy these uh, interns bring on a whole set of energy that I think um, every so often, um, I think as helpers, you want to be infused with that energy and yeah. some of those questions that they ask. Well, and sometimes you learn something new, like, oh, I didn't know I should incorporate that in our therapy or, you know, didn't know that's how it was being perceived or whatever it may be. It brings some light to you as well. So I, I find it really valuable to get that insight. I, I think mm-hmm. it's important. It helps you grow as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always tell my clients, I said, no matter how old we get, you know, you, 
you're still learning. You're still growing. I mean, my business has evolved. I'm sure yours has. Um, and it should. Yeah. Yeah. It no. Should. And and especially given what we all went through over the last couple of years, I mean, I can't tell you how much I've learned just from a technology <laughs> standpoint from some of my interns. So, yeah. And, and you know, and let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Like what have what have you seen as the most challenging thing over the last couple of years? What are the most challenging things that you work with right now? Yeah, that's a great question, Fazia. I I think some of the challenges and, and some of it was just incredibly heartbreaking where, you know, we had really built some bridges to the social world for some of our young people and they were ready to launch and leap. Um, And then those bridges uh, became dismantled. And so um, I think a lot of young people became really um, depressed and anxious. And um, and so, you know, we really had to go back into the work again. Um, And um, so we were teaching um, new skills now. We were teaching resiliency and we were teaching recovery and we were teaching, right, how to continue to keep your Golds alive, even when you can't build a bridge, that you can keep them alive. Um, and so we, we've been, you know, with a lot of young people since the world has turned back on to a degree, um, getting people back out there with their, with their plan and kickstarting that energy up again. And, and, and I'm excited on, on so many levels that a lot of young people um, that, that I've worked with um, have launched into college now, um, have jobs. Um, despite COVID. Yeah. That's right. Despite yeah. COVID. Um, they, you know, um, one of the things we talked about is just sometimes, you know, adversity right? Doesn't mean that there's going to be loss, that adversity is, you know, a signal, right? That strengthens you um, in a variety of areas as adversity will come and go, whether you call it a pandemic, a job loss, a death in the family. You are correct. Yeah. Could be anything. Absolutely. And, And so I think what I've what I'm also excited about is to see a lot of the young people um, and adults, um, you know, um, move back into the world and know that we that they are also in practice mode that, yeah, we if, if you think about losing, then you lose. If you think about what you have gained during that time, then you will gain. Like it, right? It's all about your perspective and how you view life. Correct. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and and with some of our young people who like like I always talk about this concept of just like you're compounding interest, you know, with money, you're compounding skills, right? Yeah, you're you growing. call it that. I call it scaffolding because I'm an yeah. as as an educator. That's what we do. We scaffold skills. But you're right. You're compounding. It depends on your analogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so you're saving them up for the moments that they can be used. But the the key here is recognizing your readiness. Right? And yeah. and creating practice opportunities because practice in and of itself 
can be really scary for people if you mm-hmm. have the wrong definition of what practice really is. Right. Very, very true. Can you give me some examples of a couple of your clients that maybe um, succeeded or did not succeed over the last you know, couple of years, maybe needed some additional support? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I this is the, sometimes this is the fun part for me. You know, as um, there are, there have just been um, a, a, a group of young people uh, over the last couple of years that have just made quantum leaps. Um, one in particular who um, graduated from our program, um, and uh, she stays in contact, and um, she um, got a scholarship to school, and. Uh, is now in honors and pre-vet program. Um, wow, good for her. And and one of the things that she is most excited about, because I don't think she ever doubted her intellect, but she was able to get into a sorority. So for her, ah, that was like winning the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, um, yeah. that was huge. <laughs> and what she is getting from her little... Um, in the sorority and some of the events that she is connected to, um, you know, and she, she called me last week and she said, I have to tell you, Paul, I love it. But how do you keep up with a social agenda? (laughs) And I said, you must be confusing me for somebody that has one because I'm working all the time, you know, but that's uh, hilarious. Yeah. So, so we've had some moments uh, some big moments like that. We've had some smaller moments of, of just being able to um, graduate um, and go into college. I've worked with a lot of young men who have recently um, uh, gotten jobs um, and are staying steady in the work right now. Nice. Um, and then people who also, uh, for them, um, are at the precipice of, of new relationships now that they've not had before. Right. And so those have been like, I think things that I continually reflect on and try to share with a lot of families. Yeah. I think those inspiring stories are, are awesome. And that's, that's why you do what you do. That's why I do what I do because you want them to be successful. Um, we're, we're going to get, ready to take a break here. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they, how could they do that? I think the best way um, is through, through the email. Um, um, and I don't know if that's something, Fazer, you're going to post, or I can just say it out loud. You can um, say it out loud and then we can post it later. Yeah. And so there's, there's a couple of emails um, that I can be reached at. Um, one is, um, Paul Carollo, and the last name is C-A-R-O-L-L-O at yahoo.com. And the other one is Paul C, as in cat, at C-F-S-S-I-N-C.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, It's always a pleasure talking to you. We're going to take a break here in a minute. And... um, if you'd like to uh, get in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And if you have not uh, signed up for our magazine subscription yet, please feel free to do that on the website. 
You can look at our first three issues on the website as well. Uh, You can go to our podcast there as well as our YouTube channel. And if you go to our YouTube channel, please make sure that you follow it so that you can see the video of our um, broadcast today. Um, Paul and I are going to post this up on my YouTube channel. And um, you can definitely see um, what Paul looks like. You can hear it. You know, you can see the whole broadcast. So if you're a visual person, this is a a great opportunity for you to to watch the the video. And um, I just want to give a quick shout out to all our listeners. Without you, we would not be here. Um, So please make sure you follow us on all our social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And um, once again, subscribe to the magazine. We would love to share um, everyone, all our experts' um, knowledge and information on there. And we also have a directory. So if you're interested in getting uh, a list of our directory of um, individuals that we love to promote, and and, um, we would love to give that to you as well. So we'll be back after these messages. Thank you again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Paul Carollo. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I'm really happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for giving so much information and, and, and just being the generous you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how you help your clients. Like, what does it look like for somebody when they come for help? What, what, what do you do for them? How do you help them? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I, I think 
one of the things that we try to do, um, like anything else, uh, I think with families, there's a concept that I talk about constantly um, with a lot of our teammates. And it's, it's about creating this welcome mat for families. And the, and the welcome mat for families, whenever we get um, a family that comes through our doors, and we can talk a little later about like how they arrive, uh, as far as the treatment, um, when they come, one of the things we try to do is create a, an unconditional space for families. I'm always reminded of the great distance they have to travel sometimes to see us, um, or um, the way that they have to move their schedules around or the journey that they've been on, whether they have tried multiple types of therapies or um, they have um, just not had good therapy. Um, or, you know, we have families that are brand new and they've just, they're newly diagnosed and they come in um, and they, they're really uncertain. So one of the things we, we try to do with our families is really create a welcome mat for them that says that this is a place where we can begin to answer some of your questions, create right um, some shared opportunity um, to listen to not just what your son or daughter might be going through, but what is it that you're going through? Right. So you support the whole family, not just the individual that is your client. Absolutely. I think, you know, for years, I have always felt with, I, if I cannot get the families, right, to, um, you know, be part of the journey, then the journey ends really quick. But what, what I've noticed over time, like anything else, is families want help for their children passionately, but sometimes they're afraid to ask for their own help. Right. And I think what we try to do is create a process where that doesn't feel so awkward, that they can also get some help for themselves um, and to create some capacity for what we're going to ask them to do. They have to be able to grow some capacity um, and to also be able to relinquish some things that they're holding on to that are dragging them down to. I think, you know, sometimes I get families telling me how refreshing it is to feel accepted again, to not feel judged for everything that they do or not do, for every decision that they don't make or ones that they do. Mm -hmm. And so taking a family-centered approach really allows us to understand where the family is at and where we're meeting them at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, if somebody has a child and they're newly diagnosed, what does their journey look like? And at what point do they come and see somebody like you? Yeah, you know, I, I think with newly diagnosed families, it's such a tricky thing because you've been given this report. And what I always hope, and, and I've had the good fortune of meeting um, some psychologists and neuropsychologists who really do a great job of explaining the report that they get. Right. Explaining the pathway to treatment. Um, and then I think part of it is 
one of the things I know we've tried to really do is build partnership with the communities, right? Build partnership with the doctors, uh, the child's PCPs, um, build partnership with state organizations and um, become connected to a lot of the groups that are connected to families on the spectrum. Um, because I think once again, you know, uh, the flow chart that's created gets really confusing. And so a- as you as you get that initial referral from your doctor and then you go and get tested and then from the testing, you, you hope that um, that some of the psychologists and psychiatrists have resources that they can send their families too. And, and ultimately what I'm finding a lot is state chapter groups are the ones that are driving the direction. And so um, whether it's Autism Speaks um, or, you know, um, one of the bigger chapters in Arizona is uh, um, uh, Autism Society of Greater Phoenix, um, where a lot of referrals are coming from. Right. As families are connecting to something that has a little more visibility. So maybe that would be a great place for somebody who has a newly diagnosed child to start off with is go to uh, Autism Speaks or, or another organization that's similar and, and find what maybe other parents do. Yeah. And, and I will tell you this, too. One of the things I've encouraged families, especially families that had to move out of state, you know, um, after having service because of relocation or job or, you know, is there are more than ever more mental health facilities now that are, are building programming like uh, child and family support services. Um, When we, when I came over almost seven years ago, the program didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I built the program Um, and I built the program with, with one of my former interns um, and, you know, and people didn't know that the program existed because it was warehoused within mental health. So the other thing that I tell families, too, is, is check in with, you know, a lot of the providers uh, of mental health because they are now warehousing services. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's really important is that they find the right ser- services for them and uh, can they start off at maybe their pediatrician's office and maybe maybe that's a good place to start or call Correct. you know uh, you know an agency that might specialize in autism or you can even you can even contact me I can I can refer you to the appropriate place as well and yeah. um, or you can email Paul I'm sure you have some resources you can refer to as well. So I, I think it's really important that you find somebody that helps you with that starting point, you know, get, get you to the place that's, that's appropriate for where you're at. Yeah. And be persistent. Um, I think finding um, a developmental pediatrician um, and finding a good one, um, you know, uh, sometimes can be hard. I know in the case of my own son, um, they did not pick up on it as we had to show them the signs, symptoms, and indicators. Um, so I encourage parents, trust your gut. You are the expert of your child. You know? Yeah, it, it's, it was really hard for me to see. A while back, I had a client who I suspected was on the spectrum, but um, the parents kept saying, no, their pediatrician didn't see it. And after seeing him for months, Finally, they went and got a, 
a neuropsych eval and they figured out he was diagnosed on the spectrum and it totally like flipped the world upside down because by then he was 12 mm-hmm. and you know, life was really challenging for a while and, and hopefully pretty soon they'll start getting on track again because there's really no reason why he couldn't have a good life. He, he just had a pit stop or he had to change directions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know? and, and that recovery, what you're talking about, Fazia, we, we, we have families that have now discovered that and they feel a lot of guilt. They feel yes. lots of things that um, anchor them in place. And part of, part of our job as, as therapists, helpers is, is to create space so they can, you know, make amends with things, you know, um, in the past and help them move forward and reconcile with, it's not what, what you haven't done. It's what you're about to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, the past is done. It's, it's over. You have to focus on the future and, and there's a lot of really great agencies, a lot of really great therapists and, and a lot of great services out there that can really help make the future a bright place to be. Sure. And, um, and I, I think that's a really great thing. So thank you for, uh, for letting people know that. I, I appreciate that. Um, do you have some success stories you'd love to share with us? Yeah, I, I think one of, you know, one of, one of the things that I'm, that I'm always, and I laugh all the time because some of the young people that I've worked with over the years, I mean, um, I think the beauty in the work is seeing the heart, right, and the mind of somebody and not necessarily focusing in on behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Because behaviors are, you know, they're they're a manifestation of a lack of a skill. And I think when you spend enough time with someone, um, you know, you, you get to see the potential in the end. And I think as, as like, I consider myself like an ambassador of hope, right. In terms of, and I know I, I say that and sometimes it sounds so silly to me, but, but I think in terms of people need hope, and one of the things that I, that I get from a lot of our, like the young people is, it's so funny what they remember. The, the little things that they remember, creating space for conversations about superheroes, mm-hmm. creating space about holding on to dreams that people told them that they couldn't have because of their diagnosis and getting right. to hear some of the things graphic i'm meeting young people that i work with that are graphic designers now you know young people who um i i have a young man um and when i met him he was constantly in crisis and and his crisis just ranged from him just exploding to you know creating crisis for the home and and but this young man the entire time was in a whirlwind of not knowing how to bring control to his world that he so desperately wanted to control. And people would tell him things about, you know, you just got to stop it. You know, don't do this. And one of the things we know about this is no's and don'ts. Don't teach anything, <laughs> right? And and he said, if I could, I would. You know, yeah. it's funny. That's 
That was something my dad always told me when I was a teenager. If somebody could change, they would. If somebody could control themselves, they would. And and that's something that has stayed with me my whole life. So it, it really, when you get frustrated or, you know, have have a negative thought, you think, okay, if they could, they would. Like yeah. they truly can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and here's the irony of it, Fazia, that that as 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 we were meeting him in his space and his family was, they were so involved. Um, he said to me one day, um, prior to graduating, we were about a month and a half out. And he said, you know, Paul, I'm thinking I would love to do teen crisis work. Now, here's a young man that was constantly in crisis. Wow. And he said, I want to do teen crisis work. And I said to him, because his mother and father and everybody was like, I don't know. And I said, listen, (laughs) he might be really good at it because he understands what it's like to be in crisis. Exactly. You know, I am a firm believer that the things that you go through in life prepare you for the things you're meant to do. Correct. And maybe that's what he was meant to do. Well, and and here and here's the beauty of this. I just got contacted from his mom about two months ago. And so what I did at the very end of our treatment is I brought in a friend who was a crisis counselor and she sat with us for three weeks to give him wow. some intel on what it was like. He wound up getting the job. Now, wow. I'm, I'm going to fast forward because that was seven years ago, um, six and a half. Um, okay. And I got a call from his mom. Um, it was about four months ago. And she told me that he graduated with his master's degree in counseling. And he's doing and, crisis work? And he's doing wow. all sorts of crisis work, counseling. Um, you know, he has a girlfriend, the whole wow, that's nine amazing. yards. But if you would have, if we would have looked at the transcript, what I call the transcript of what right. people say, think, and you now took that snapshot and you looked at him, you would say, that's not the same person. I love that. The transcript of his life. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a fantastic story. I really appreciate that story. Um, are there any stories that you could tell where, um, you know, a client came to you and maybe you struggled a little bit getting them where they needed to go? Yeah, no, the, I, I think um, there have been families throughout yeah. the years where, um, you know, there is a struggle um, and there's a struggle for a variety of reasons. Um, and sometimes it doesn't start off as a struggle, but then there are major components of life that take hold. Um, I, I worked sure. with, I work with some young boys who we're making a lot of progress and their mom got cancer and passed away and um, threw them into a tailspin. Right. And, and, um, and, and that would any, any young child. Right. And, and, and it took them off course for a while. Um, But, but they were able to get back on the track like anything else. I think um, there are some times where, you know, um, like I tell a lot of our therapists, we all have the desire as helpers to be helpful, but right. knowing, knowing the extent at which you can help and knowing the extent that sometimes you're just planting seeds right. for that thing to grow someplace else at some other time that you may never see. And that sleeper right. effect happens and it's real. 
Absolutely. I, I agree. Absolutely. Wow. Well, you know, that's uh, that's a great story. So tell me, what, what makes you so passionate about what you do? You know, it's a, it's an interesting thing um, because as long as I could remember, um, I have always um, been surrounded by um, people that I just have just enjoyed um, being around and, and, and growing up. Um, I just, I found it natural to be in a helper position, but I think the passion for it has grown um, also because of my faith and, and who I am in my faith and um, right. what I believe just as a whole about people. I just love people and love being around yeah. people and I'm energized by people. Um, and then my son just was the cherry on the top of it. I do more things today as, as I, as I tell our group all the time, like for, for me, there's, there's jobs, there's careers and there's missions. Right. Um, and I think part of what I hope for my son, as I try to do things for him as well as do for other young people, is to continue to try to find spaces in between the cracks to grow, mm-hmm. to meet more people, Fazia, like yourself and, and, and some oh, of your listeners, you, you know, um, to grow awareness and, and to gain um, acceptance. I think one of the hardest things for me sometimes with young people um, on the spectrum is that they know that other people are diagnosing them and that people create behavioral profiles on them because of their uniqueness. And, and one of the things that I, I have such passion around is helping young people understand that unique is not different, right? Um, and I am blessed because um, we have met some young people, even in my own son's class. There's a few girls in his class that they are just born helpers and they have mm-hmm. done more for him um, than a professional could. Because it's about being your best version of yourself with people. And if, you, if that can show up more often, that's going to be helpful. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Do you, do you find, I hear you're talking a lot about boys. Do you find yourself working more with boys than girls? Yeah, I mean, on an average, um, you know, uh, there's just, you know, the population of, of males to females is so dominant. I do. Um, work with um, some young women on the spectrum. And, um, you know, as, as we always talk about, it presents so differently. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's more social camouflage sometimes for the young ladies than there are for the boys. Um, and that might be another show. We can talk about that. That might be a very interesting show. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Um, well, I, I really want to thank you for for coming on today, talking about your expertise, your personal story, um, you know, some tips on how people can move forward if they had a child with the diagnosis. So I, I really want to thank you for doing that. I do have one last question for you, though. How, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? So it's something I mentioned earlier, which is trust your gut. Trust your gut and be connected to it. Because it's a compass that more often than not leads you in the right direction. 
Very nice. I, I wish more people would listen to their intuition. Um, I, I think we have it. Everyone has it, but most people disregard it. They're like, well, my gut instinct told me this, but you know, it didn't seem logical. Therefore, <laughs> I didn't listen to it. And now I'm in trouble. Well, listen to your gut. It, it does tell you something. It's, it's, it's giving you advice that is very important. So I, I think that's very good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so once again, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, could you give out those emails again, please? Sure. Um, it's Paul Carollo, C-A-R-O-L-L-O at yahoo.com. Or you can also send it to Paul C as in cat at C-F-S-S-I-N-C.com. All right. Thank you so much, Paul. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to my website. That's executive function coach az.com. And on my website, you can subscribe to our magazine. And the first three volumes are on the uh, website. So you can go and read the first three volumes. You can also subscribe to our new one. We have a new um, item coming up in January. Uh, we are going to be sending out a directory. Uh, of individuals that we recommend we connect with. And um, it's a, it's a pretty good size um, directory. So if you'd like to get a copy of that, subscribe to the magazine. We send those out together. We can also, um, you can also go look at this particular uh, show on our YouTube channel. So if you want to see Paul and I have this conversation, you can go on to our YouTube channel, which you can connect through the website as well. You can go to um, our radio show and you can also listen, look at my testimonials. And if you're interested in our um, coaching program, you can give me a call at 480-648-1122. And we have a new product that we are launching this month called MindPrint. So if you're interested in learning more about MindPrint, uh, give me a call or go to website and um, send us a message and we'll definitely be happy to get you a MindPrint assessment. Um, If you're interested in the MindPrint assessment, you can purchase one for $199 and it is a full assessment that you'll be getting for that price as well as um, you can get that MindPrint assessment for free if you are interested in working with me and you pay for the intake evaluation. So once again, I want to send a big thank you to all our listeners out there. Um, For those of you in China and Arizona and wherever you're listening from, without you, this would not be possible. So thank you. And uh, thank you, Paul, for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.